At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Thanks for tuning in to our series, The Follower's Trail Guide, Navigating the Path of Jesus, where we're asking the question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? As we walk through Jesus' farewell discourse to His followers in the book of John, we'll learn how to follow in the steps of Christ as He marks out the way of discipleship for us. Probably a good place for us to start is just by asking, what, what is friendship? What is, is friendship? And maybe that seems like a bit of an obvious question. Maybe you can even, even as we ask that, or as I ask that, um, you have people coming to mind of, of those who are good friends of yours, people who uh, you enjoy spending time with, uh, maybe even qualities that make those people good friends. Maybe it's commonalities that you share with one another. Uh, perhaps you like the same sports team or, or just a certain sport you share that love for um, together. Maybe it's you have similar collections you like to, to collect and, and, and have similar hobbies in that way. Uh, maybe it's the books you read and just, uh, just enjoying the similar authors and talking you through some of those things or the jobs that you, you have um, could go down the line there. Maybe it's shared life experiences, having grown up in similar places, uh, going to the same school perhaps even, traveling the world together, going on a trip like that, maybe even a missions trip. I know a lot of those t- can uh, at times bring people closer together as we share the love of, of Christ with those around the world. Maybe it's a, a hardship such as cancer or, or just a difficult, uh, difficult relational situations that you have been through that have brought you closer together uh, as friends. Uh, or maybe it's just the quality of time that you spend with these kinds of people, right? You know somebody who, who's going to look you in the eyes, who's for sure listening when you have those, those uh, deep conversations with one another and just show other signs of genuine care as you, 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 as you spend time together. Hopefully what we're going to see today is that walking in the way of love looks far different than we imagine, that walking in the way of love looks far different than we imagine. Certainly some of these things that we've talked about are definitely indicators of what friendship looks like in this world. But none of these things can or should define friendship for us. That's what we're going to see today. In this series, we've been looking at a portion of the book of John that is often called uh, Jesus' farewell discourse. It takes place during some of the final uh, moments that he is spending with his disciples, his, his closest friends. And really it functions as a trail guide for us, a trail guide for faith. And specifically today we're going to look at how this faith impacts our friendships, our relationships with others. And like everything in life, our relationships find their answer in Jesus. And maybe this sounds like the typical Sunday school answer, yeah, what's the answer to the question? Yeah, it's Jesus. But... When thinking through what defines our relationships, I hope we do see today that, that, that it, the answer is indeed Jesus, but I hope we understand why the answer is Jesus as well. And hopefully we'll see that this morning as we look at two ways that Jesus shapes our relationship with him, but also with the world around us. And we'll see this in John 15, 12 through 17. So one of the first things we're going to see from this passage is that Jesus defines our definition of love. Jesus defines our definition of love. 
It might be easy for us to look at love through our own lens or through the lens that the world has provided us with. And, and maybe as we look through that love through this lens, it's easy for us to feel like, yeah, I'm doing a pretty good job at loving others, those around me. But I think in order to truly understand whether that's the case, Jesus must be part of this definition that we have of love. And that's what we see in John 15, 12 through 14. Jesus says this, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Now, last week we were in the passage just before this. Pastor Jeremy was telling us a lot about what it looks like to to remain in Christ or abide in Christ from that passage. And in fact, in, in verse 10, Jesus says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And it's not like he hasn't made statements like this before. Jesus has said uh, that, that loving him means keeping his commandments. We've seen that in this series. And maybe as you come to those those statements, you're like, okay, but what are those commandments? Like, it feels daunting, right? Knowing that if we're loving Jesus, it means we have to listen to him as well and obey him, especially for like, well, what what is it that we're supposed to do? And then we come to this, this verse in verse 12. It says, Jesus says, this is my commandment. Maybe we're like, okay, what happened to all of these commandments now? Is it just one? And and it is, in in fact. What we see is that Jesus is telling us that all of these commandments that he has been talking about already can be summed up into one command. And maybe that brings a little bit of relief, knowing that uh, it's just one command that, that, that shows our love for Jesus, shows our love for God than having uh, a bunch that we have to to do. Maybe it feels less daunting and and more simple, but it's still not easy because look at what Jesus says. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. I think our world would rather this statement say something along the lines of love others as best as possible. Or maybe even love others unless you have been wronged. But no, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. And as we start to think about how did Jesus love us, and we look back on his life, we see that he is the perfect example of love. We see that he loved people better than anyone could. And we're going to see that even as we continue in our passage today. And, and so, how, do, how are we as sinful human beings supposed to love like Jesus in this way? We need to understand how Jesus loves. And Jesus follows this statement up in verse 13 by saying, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Well, Jesus did that, right? Jesus laid down his life for his friends. He's speaking to his disciples right now, these close followers of his that knew him well, that knew him well and had a relationship with him. And the same is true for those of us who have a relationship with Jesus. He laid down his life for us. He went to the cross for our sins, bringing those who were once far off enemies of God at one point into a relationship with him as his friend, Because he took on our sin on that cross. And now you might be like, okay, well, this is this. I know the historic context of what's going on here. I know that Jesus hasn't yet died on the cross yet. He hasn't gone to the cross. Well, how would his disciples have known that that was what he's talking about? 
In that moment, they may not have. They may not fully have understood what was going on. But just as you and I can hear that statement today and know that Jesus did indeed lay down his life for his friends, after that happened, after Jesus did indeed lay down his life, I guarantee you those disciples looked back at this statement and said, ah, I get it now. I get what he's saying. And the beautiful thing about it is that God isn't asking us to do something that he himself wouldn't do, right? He, Jesus literally laid down his life for his friends. And so knowing this, that this is, and knowing that this is the ultimate expression of what this love looks like, of what love looks like in general, this absolutely should define the way that we see love, especially if we say that we love Jesus. But we often find ourselves looking to what we can get out of our relationships, don't we? We often look at relationships with others for more, more for what we can receive rather than for what we can give to them. And that's not what Jesus' love looked like. No, this was a sacrificial love, a love that was literally willing to lay down his life for his friends. And we've all looked to relationships for what we can get out of them before, right? I mean, I'll include myself in that one. I definitely have. Maybe we find ourselves throughout the week just busy getting tasks done. And we're like, I just don't want to get interrupted because I know that I have a lot that I need to do, a lot that's on my plate right now. And then somebody uh, inevitably comes in at the, the, probably the worst possible moment it always seems like, doesn't it? And they, they want to have, uh, you know, whatever, they, they want something from you, whether it's just talking through a hard situation or something like that. And we're just like, I just don't have the time right now to deal with some of those things. Yeah, one of the ways that we can love our brothers and sisters in Christ and really others in our lives is by allowing for those interruptions to take place, allowing ourselves to be interrupted in those moments laying down and sacrificing of ourselves for them. Or maybe we find ourselves in situations where we've been wronged by others, where somebody's hurt us deeply. Maybe even a brother or sister in Christ has done that to us. And it's in those situations, isn't it always so much easier to just retaliate instead of seeking out reconciliation, instead of seeking out forgiveness with those individuals? Don't we usually... Wouldn't we rather uh, attack instead? And in those moments, loving those people means laying down our des this desire to retaliate and seeking out forgiveness instead. And Jesus, once again, is a prime example of, of, of both of these things. He wasn't greedy with his time, his energy, his resources. If we look at the Gospels, there are many times we can look at and see that, no, even in some of his busiest seasons, he allowed for those interruptions to take place. He allowed people to interrupt his life. And he made time for them. He certainly knew how, uh, what, it, what it looked like to endure the hurt of relationships, even from close friends. I mean, Judas, one of his 12 disciples, literally was the one who betrayed him and, and ultimately was a big part of the reason he, he ended up uh, arrested and ultimately on the cross. But he, did, he went through all of that without retaliation. He ultimately listened and obeyed the voice of God, submitted his, to the, the will of the Father, and went to the cross to show even his worst enemies how much he loved them by making a way for them to be brought in as friends through faith in Jesus, through faith in what he had did for them. 
He made a way for the forgiveness of our sins. And maybe you're like, okay, yeah, but how do we become friends? How do we become friends with Jesus? Well, verse 14 says this, You are my friends if you do what I command you. You're my friends if you do what I command you. So maybe we're wondering, where does the love of God come into all of this? I think it comes in with the other statements Jesus has made leading about his commandments leading up to this. If we love God, we're going to keep his commandments. We're going to keep his commandments. And so that's why we know that we have this relationship, this friendship with Jesus is, is, is as we love others, it assumes that we love God because it is out of our love for him that we are able to keep his commandments and keeping his commandments means that we are loving others sacrificially, that we are giving of ourselves, that we're not just simply looking to what can I get out of relationships with others, but how can I love them as Jesus has loved, loved me? See, Jesus defines love for us here. But he also does more than that as we continue on in this passage. We see that Jesus redefines the nature of our relationship. That Jesus redefines the nature of our relationship. Being a friend of Jesus completely changes our relationship uh, with him and with God, but it also impacts our community that we experience in the world uh, around us. We see this in verses 15 through 17 as Jesus says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. In verse 15, we see that being a friend of Jesus is more than being, uh, just, just being a servant of Jesus. I, I believe it's still implied, uh, but, but it's, it's more than that. It's more than that, because Jesus says there in verse 15, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. Servant doesn't know what the master is doing. And that is not what, what, what the relationship, uh, what our relationship and friendship with Jesus looks like. See, there's a big difference in how someone treats a servant and how they treat a friend. Think about it this way. It's certainly not normal, or at least viewed as normal in our culture, for us to go to a restaurant and to, to, to go up to our waiter and waitress and tell them about everything that's going on in our life in that given moment, right? The good, the bad, the ugly. Like, that would be kind of terrifying, I'm sure, for many people if it was. Uh, and, and, and you see, we're not going to the restaurant to get emotional support in that moment. We're going there to hopefully be served good food. And, uh, and, and, and yeah, if we're looking for emotional support... That's probably where we bring in our friends, especially our, our close friends, our good friends. Uh, we're going to tell them about what's happening, what's been going on in our lives, right? Those are the people we're going to open up to in those situations because the relationship there has been established. It, it, it's there. And so there's a difference between being a servant, simply a servant, and being a friend. 
And hopefully that helps us understand what Jesus is kind of getting at within this differentiation, that there is a differentiation between servant and friend. I mean, he says, he says as much in the second half of the, of the verse, uh, uh, for I, or it's where he says, uh, for the servant doesn't know uh, what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus has made known to us the things, the deep things of the Father. The things, the love that he shared with him from the beginning of time. Jesus came and made those things known to us. Those who are his friends, they understand that they have that deep and intimate relationship with the Father just as Jesus experienced. They understand those things. The things that we couldn't know apart from Jesus, we now know because we are his friends. We are friends of God. We are friends with, of Jesus. And so therefore, we can know God better because of that. And the beautiful thing is this has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with us. Jesus tells us as much. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. You didn't choose me, he says. Being a friend of Jesus is not our choice. It is God's choosing. It's what he has done. It's what he has predestined for us from the beginning of time. It's a beautiful reality that we have been chosen and appointed by Jesus. And this term appointed has actually been, uh, the same word was used earlier in verse 13 when Jesus talks about laying down one's life for their friends. It's the same word. So there's a sacrificial nature in this appointment. There is a, a service uh, that we are doing within that as, as well. And that becomes even more clear as we see what we are appointed to do. Second, or the next part of the verse, uh, I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. He appointed us to go and bear fruit that this fruit may abide. Now, if you're, you're, maybe you, you remember last week, we talked a lot about bearing fruit and, the, the, and just how this shows how we're growing as Christians and all of that. And there's definitely an aspect of that, but here it's a little bit different. Not, not completely. It's different in the sense that there's a missional component to it. There for sure is what, what, what John and what, is, and what John's recorded about what Jesus has said. There is a missional component here to bearing fruit an evangelistic component even. And, and as I studied this passage this week and, and looked uh, at what various uh, commentators were saying, they were all in agreement that there is some, uh, some evangelistic component to what Jesus is, is talking about here, to go and bear fruit that this fruit may abide. See, being a friend of, of Jesus means wanting to declare to the world about what he has done and bringing those who were once far off, those who were once enemies of God in. He, he brings them in as friends, as close friends, that they might have the same relationship with his Father, with God the Father, as, as he does. That's a beautiful thing, and so we should want people to have that. As, as friends uh, of, of God, as friends of Jesus, we, we experience the joy of knowing him, and we should want others to experience this, this same joy. Often, I've heard the term, um, especially when we're talking about being chosen by God, I've often heard the term frozen, chosen, thrown around. And what it essentially means is that 
that, that we're, we're okay with the fact that God has chosen us. And because God has chosen us, we can kind of just sit si- silently on the sidelines knowing that God is going to do this work in the lives of people and that we don't actually have to be a part of it. That is a terrible application of theology here. So Jesus, it's completely contradictory to what Jesus has said, right? He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that this fruit may abide. If, if, what, if, we, if we see our chosenness as just, man, I can sit down on the sidelines and not do anything. Like that's not, that's not what Jesus is asking us to do. No, you're chosen. So go and show others this, this love that I have shown you because of that. And that means telling them about, people, about what Jesus has done. Knowing Jesus should lead to telling others about him. He made it possible for us, who were once enemies of God, to be brought in as his friends. I can't emphasize that enough. That he brought us in as his friends through his blood on the cross, that we might be forgiven of our sin and be given a relationship with God here and now and forevermore. Like, if that's not good news that's worth telling others, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. And we should pray for these opportunities, these evangelistic opportunities to bring, uh, bring up what Jesus has done for us. And I, I believe Jesus says as much. He says, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, that he may give it to you. Now, I know that we've seen this come up a few times in this series, this, this kind of language that, that ask what you will in my Father's name, and he'll give it to you. Maybe we've seen it elsewhere in Scripture, and maybe sometimes we're tempted to think that, oh man, if I just pray that I'm going to go win the lottery, that that's going to happen now. Um, and that's not what this verse is saying. When we see these, this type of language, we need to look at the context of what's going on around it, right? And, and, and if Jesus is telling us that we have been appointed to go and bear fruit, and that this fruit may abide, that, that, that there's this clear evangelistic nature to this, and that's what we need to be praying for, right? We need to be praying for these opportunities in, in his name, knowing that the Father will give us those opportunities. And we don't need to make this harder than it really is. Pray for those in your lives who don't know Jesus. Who are those people? Who are those people that don't yet have a relationship with God, that are still enemies, that are still far off from him, but that you would love to see be brought in as his friends. If you can't think of anybody right now, well, pray for those opportunities. Pray that God would bring those people into your life. Pray for opportunities to share Jesus with these people. And think through where you're at in your lives on a, on a weekly basis. Are you, do you go to the gym? Where, what about work or school or your communities around you? Who are those people that don't yet know Jesus as Savior and friend? Pray for those people. And ask God to give opportunities to speak boldly about what he has done for you. As we do these things, as we, as we engage in sharing the gospel, this good news of what Jesus has done with those around us, it's evidence of the fruit that exists within our lives as believers. It's evidence of the fruit of our friendship with Jesus. A friendship that impacts and should impact the way we view the world around us and the way we interact with others in community. See, Jesus redefines the nature of our relationship. And hopefully from all of this today, you've seen 
That walking in the way of love looks far different than we imagine. That walking in the way of love looks far different than we imagine. I think oftentimes it's easy for us to think about the qualities of of what makes a good friend and, and thinking more about what it is that we receive from those people rather than what we can do for them, how we can sacrificially give of ourselves to them. But Jesus shows us that friendship is more, way more than what we could ever receive from friendship. That it's about, um, about how we can show others the love of Jesus. Because Jesus defines our definition of love. That definition, that we love one another as Jesus has loved us. That we love one another as Jesus has loved us. And he perfectly lives out this love, right? Jesus perfectly lives out this love by dying on the cross, going to the cross for his enemies and friends, but ultimately uh, for for anyone who would believe in him. And who who are those who believe in Jesus? They're his friends. Jesus laid down his life for his friends. He perfectly lived lived this out. He showed us that that love and, and friendship, it's not about what we get from others, but it's how we love them as Jesus has loved us. And becoming friends of Jesus through faith, well, it means that we understand that we've been chosen and appointed and set apart to go and bear fruit in this world. This fruit should lead to us telling others about Jesus, telling others about the good thing, the the, the amazing relationship, the amazing friendship that we have been brought in, that we now understand who God is because of Jesus, because of this friendship with him. It's much different than what our world tells us about friendship. Maybe even different than how, what our actions reveal about what we believe about friendship. But if we are truly to love like Jesus loved us, then we must sacrificially give of ourselves and point others to this amazing love that is found only in Jesus. Walking in the way of love looks far different than we imagine. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself to us today.